0: Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So uh, also be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at Sports Infocast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Tommy Chasinoff was able to uh, actually pull over a little bit and able to talk to us today. He was on his way down to Georgia uh, for the NAI Swimming and Diving Championships. Um, we caught him pretty much at a good time. I think he, he said he just got done eating lunch or something like that and then decided to kind of relax and, and uh, get to us from the car. Um, what I really wanted to do was try out a new software, but we, we couldn't quite do that. So you'll have to wait for um, some new recording software. Uh Next week, uh, as we get to episode 112, uh, I think it's Zencaster, and uh, I, Lamar Carter was able to message me and say, hey, we've, I found this thing, and it's pretty good. And I was like, yeah, it is. So uh, we're, I'm excited to test it out because I'm kind of an audio nerd like that. Uh, but that will be coming next week. Uh, be sure to sign up for our newsletter, sidcance.fireside.fm newsletter. It's like a Google form, Google Doc type of thingy. Um, three questions all there is um, and yeah do everything that the intro said to right to a T that would be nice kind of helps the show grow a little bit um, and uh, yeah and be sure to listen in and uh, enjoy today's episode one that I'm very excited for you guys love him uh, I think he's a great guy as well and so do the people down at the University of the Cumberlands which is in uh, Williamsburg, Kentucky, not to be confused with Cumberland University in Tennessee. Uh they're called the Phoenix. Uh Tommy and his staff and the whole entire department uh are called the Patriots. Both are NAI schools in the same conference, which is kinda of, kinda of difficult, especially when you're a high school athlete and you're like, Why why is this one school not getting it to me because you're sending it to the other school, Dave? That that's what happens. Um when yeah, when you don't pay attention at all. Uh but now we know the difference, and what we'll talk about today is a lot of NAI stuff. We'll talk about the difference between uh, an invitational versus a championship status sport. Uh, we'll talk about growing up through sport. He he actually has two other brothers uh, who work in sport, one who works for the uh, Pelicans, the other one works for the 49ers. We'll get to that way later in the episode. Uh, we'll also talk about what it was like taking six months off as he tried to find a job, had to work in retail a little bit, uh, what life was like for him. Uh, and then finally getting the experience that he wanted and needed uh, at SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, gave him the supervisor, gave him the opportunity to be in charge of, of something, in charge of sports, and then uh, his path on his way to University of the Cumberlands. And another side note that we'll talk about is uh, Tommy is a uh, medalist in the Paralympic Games and from uh, i think it was guadalajara mexico if, if i'm not mistaken tommy don't 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 kill me if uh, that's not it but um we'll talk about training uh he expands his specialties across a lot of events uh being a 100 200 400 800 guy and then um We'll talk about what it was like for him growing up uh, with, a, with a disability, going through sport. Yes, it was Guadalajara. I just pulled it up in a the Pan-Amer- Pan-American games. And then um, what it was like for him, like I mentioned, growing up, going through sport, going through the job process, the, the interviews, and everything like that for him. So um, without further ado, guys, let's get to episode 111 of SIDcast with Tommy Chasanoff of the Cumberland's Patriots and his very first taste in sports information right here on SIDcast.
1: My very first taste in sports information was as a student. I was at Weber International and I wrote some men's basketball and some track and field stories for their sports information department. At the time, I was also the editor of the student newspaper, so that got me started. Um, During my senior year at at Weber, I did an internship at Florida Southern with Bill Turnage um, and in the sports information department there. And from there, my interest, I knew it was something that I wanted to do, and my interest continued to
0: to grow and I continued to work in sports information ever since. What was it about Weber that kind of drew you there? I mean, was it uh, anything close to home? I mean, what was it for you? What was your sport background like growing up?
1: Well, I'm a track and field athlete, so I got to go there, compete in track and field, compete in cross country, and then I was the student, student manager slash student assistant coach for the men's basketball team while I was there. My sport background is I'm a track runner. I have actually competed internationally. I competed on four U.S. team, two world championships, two Pan-American games. And so going there, getting to compete in track and field, as well as study sport management, and marketing, and get that double major really helped me,
0: uh, really built the foundation for my future. You you mentioned that you were a part of the uh, Paralympic team. and. Um... I, I'm just curious. You won four medals in 2011. Uh, how did that feel? I mean, what was what's training like for you? What does that look like for you uh, as you compete internationally?
1: Training was six days a week. Um, before my first competition, I got to go train out in Chula Vista at the U.S. Training Center there. So that was an incredible opportunity getting to train with some of the best athletes from all over the United States, and then. For the other championships, you train six days a week. You're balancing school, work, and training. And it, when you win those medals, it's well worth every opportunity, every ounce of time and sweat
0: that you put into the practices and into the, into the competition. What, um, what what's your main event? I mean, what, what, what do you specialize in?
1: I was a middle distance runner so 200 400 800
0: million. Oh okay. Well, that's quite that's kind of you don't really hear about that a whole lot, you know, people doing 2 and 800. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, cuz you need the speed, yeah. but you don't hear about that a whole yeah. lot, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I was very fortunate and I actually won a, a silver medal in the 100 too. But Wow. The hun- the 100 my starts were not the greatest, so that's why I had speed. My starts were never really good and couldn't really ever get off to a good start. So the 400 really became
0: one of my best events as well as the 800. Okay. Well, I can tell you from experience, I was a track and field athlete in college as well. And I was a 10K specialist, but for some reason I just just wasn't getting it with the 10K and the 5K and everything. And then whenever we did like 5K repeats and stuff, I couldn't really keep up with the All-Americans and the, and the like, like qualifiers and everything like that. And then when we started doing 200 repeats, I was beating them. And so I love 200 repeats. So I, I can totally see with the speed and everything, I, I totally get it. But um, do you do you still do any of that sort of thing today? I mean, what does your fitness life look like at this point in time?
1: Right now, I'd like to say that I'm, that I'm active. I try to be as active as I can. Try to get out a month, three to four times a week. Um, unfortunately, during crossover season, between school, between going back for my master's and class and covering crossover season, I'm probably not as active as I should be. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully now that I just finished my semester, um, I can get back to training four to five times a week and go in three, four, five-mile runs and some
0: weight training. Okay, awesome. Well, um, let's get back to some of your, your SID background here. As you mentioned, you, you uh, went to Weber International, and then you interned at Florida Southern. Um, so what were some things that maybe they had you do, maybe some things you had to pick up as you were first starting out in Sports Info? Um, when I started at Florida Southern, this
1: was their second year of having men's, men's lacrosse. And basically, we had two SIDs who neither one of them have ever covered lacrosse. So they turned around, they basically told me,
0: Here's lacrosse, learn it, you're in charge of it. <laughs> so, and lacrosse had was a sport that I knew nothing about previously, but I've learned to pick it up, and it's a sport that I really, it's one of my favorite sports now, oh, Yeah, yeah. Because, because of that. I mean, I've
1: had a lot of great opportunities because of lacrosse, um, working a... Opening round of the NCAA Division II Championship when Tampa hosted, and then going to the national semifinals when Tampa went there. When I've gone to the NAIA, I've been the media coordinator for the last three NAIA lacrosse invitationals. So it's definitely giving me some great opportunities
0: to share my experiences and open up doors that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, I, I always say, I always kind of joke with, with people because when we're out at a baseball or softball, I'll bring up a lacrosse webcast. Like, I want to watch it. I'll have it on just in the background, and then everybody asks why, and I'm like, well, southern Indiana, where I'm from, did me dirty because they never introduced me to lacrosse until I got <laughs> to college, you know? And, and I was just like, yeah. you knew nothing about it when I got to the small NI school that I was at. And now I end up loving it. So, um, and you kind of mentioned it there is when your bosses said, here, you need to figure this out. You need to learn it uh, because we don't. And mm-hmm. so do you think that that's important moving forward in maybe a young SID's field is maybe picking up on something, maybe a sport or maybe a skill that other people don't really have? Do How important do you think that is?
1: That is critical. I think that's one of the most important things to do is to make yourself as well-rounded as you can possibly be as a young SID, whether it's learning a new sport, whether it's learning a new skill, whether it's doing Photoshop, InDesign. The more marketable you are as a young SID, the more opportunities are going to come open for you. And, you know, sports like lacrosse and volleyball that are so stacked driven and those are, typically the hardest sport to stack
0: if you have skills in that it's going to open up a lot more opportunities yeah i can totally agree with that so um let's 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 talk about something that i had to learn when i was in the nai because i didn't really understand um cross right now is an invitational and it's not quite a championship yet can can you explain that process a little bit for on the outs those on the outside looking in
1: so, the NAIA has three different levels of sports, emerging, invitational, and championship. To be classified as a championship sport, 40 schools must sponsor the sport. Uh, I think it's 25 to reach invitational status and 15 to be an emergent sport. Right now, both men's and women's lacrosse are in the emergent status. They both um uh, Men's has high 20s, low 30s teams. Women's have about 37. I fully expect women's lacrosse to become a championship sport next year, um, more than likely. Men's lacrosse has a couple more years to go, but it's based on the number of um, schools that are sponsoring the sport. The only difference from the NAIA's perspective between an invitational sport and a championship sport is the name, but it's the invitational or championship. Yeah. Because once their sport reaches the level of invitational, they treat it, they get a national championship. You're eligible for all American, academic all Americans. Everything that goes into
0: championship sport also goes into the invitational. Okay, so so basically the only thing different is the name as as what you just said. I, and it kind of confused me because now the NAI is having ice hockey and it's kind of a little like is it a championship is it an invite and some people might be looking at that and kind of confused about the small college business side of things um so you like you said you went to tampa uh was it important for you staying home once you got out of college i mean we talked off air about you being from florida so um what was your whole job process job search process like uh straight out of college um, straight out of college, I actually took six months off
1: to go train for the World Championships in New Zealand. But upon returning home from that, it was trying to get involved. And trying to get involved any way I could. I applied for numerous assistant positions, GA positions, but never could, um, never got offered a job. I was finalist, I did a whole bunch of interviews. Never really got that opportunity, so at that point I stayed at Florida Southern for a couple of years, just trying to keep keep myself in the game. Um, ended up going and working retail because at one point I just needed to make money. Uh-huh. And then, and then I, while I was working full time as a retail person, I still worked at Tampa part time, and it was just to get my name out there and keep my name, keep everything up to date and. Wait for that opportunity to come. Very fortunate that the opportunity came in about
0: 2015 when I was at SCAD, and I got named the head SID there. Okay. Well, what was it like kind of having the realization, more like an epiphany, that I need to go work retail just to make money? I mean, what what, what did that feel like to you to be able to, one, not work in sport, and then, two, have to go and work work retail just to get by? Um. It was frustrating.
1: It was very frustrating with the, because I think, I think with my background, I think if I had the opportunity and I talked with, with my bosses, I think my skills were good enough. It's just about trying to go through the interview process and getting that opportunity. And it's sometimes it's more about who you know than what you know. And, you know, I, where I made mistakes growing up, now looking back, is I probably should have gone to more conventions. I should have gone to the co Convention in Marco Island or in Orlando when they were there, And but no one told me. So right. if I would have known that, I probably would have opened up some more doors sooner, but working retail was interesting. It definitely was something that I was really good at, because I had a marketing degree and a business degree to go with it, uh-huh. I elevated. I elevated from, you know, I was hired on as holiday help just trying to get a paycheck. I elevated to a manager position in less than two years. So it, it 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 taught me a lot of lessons. It gave me the opportunity to manage other people. And I think once I became, once people saw that, hey, he can manage people, and he has supervisor experience. That opened up the door to jump back into sport full-time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it. it. sounds like some things were actually able to translate for you as far as skills. Am, yeah. I, am I wrong in saying that?
1: Absolutely. Um, the management skills of how do you deal with people, how you deal with problems... Um, you know crossover season
0: can compare to Black Friday shopping weekend very well. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, um, what would you say to an SID, maybe a young SID too? And well, we might get into this a little bit later, but um, what would you say to those who are maybe stuck in the process, stuck in the job searching process? Maybe they're coming up with nothing, maybe they keep getting rejections. What would you, what would you say to them? You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what more would you say? Yeah, um. For those who are in those situations,
1: the best advice I can give you is stay persistent. Um, don't be, stay persistent because for every rejection, you're probably gonna get five rejections to to one yes. Um, I think I think that's the big thing. The other thing is don't be afraid to reach out to your network. You've made connections to SIDs at other schools, whether directly or indirectly. Don't be afraid to reach out to them and try to. Use them as resources, maybe not as a reference, but hey, do you know any openings? Where, can, where do you think would be a good opportunity? Ask them, and also ask them, what can I do to grow to get to get into a position? Because sometimes you don't realize something's on the horizon, and another SID can say, hey, if you try to do this, whether it's Photoshop, learn this sport, or anything like that, it's going to make you more marketable for the open job.
0: So you, get, you finally got that opportunity when, when you got to SCAD and everything, and it was a head job for you. Uh, what was the adjustment like, being coming from an intern, assistant, all those positions, to all of a sudden, you're part of a head job at SCAD?
1: Well, it was a one-man shop. So yeah. the transition there was, okay, instead of relying on other people or having other people to really ask questions, of, I need to figure everything else, everything out by myself. Um the good thing is I took some I took a lot of very valuable lessons from both Tampa and Florida Southern makes how to communicate, how to work with SIDs, how to, you know, nominate and just take the time to understand the nomination process for a player of the week, for for NAIA scholar all Americans, and understand the processes. So when I came in day one, even though I haven't worked in the NAIA, I knew, hey, I need to learn X, Y, and Z and figure out those procedures to be successful here. Um, the other big thing is working in the Sun Conference. I have some great SIDs like Justin Jarrett at USC Buford and Donnie Smith at Southeastern that I used as great references to help just jump to make sure I didn't make any,
0: any major mistakes in year one. Yeah, yeah. So what was kind of, again, it's kind of same frame, framing of question as earlier, but uh, what were some things that maybe you had to pick up or learn, maybe some things you found difficult in those in that first year for you?
1: Um, learning equestrian.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I, I mean, so I've been very fortunate that I've gotten to work with a lot of new sports and understanding the dynamics of how to write a story about, a re- about an equestrian event. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is building relationships with the coaches because if the, if the coaches understand that you care and that you're willing to put in the effort, then they're
0: going to be more willing to work with you and help you out and help you understand things long term. Yeah, yeah, I can totally agree with that as far as building the relationships is concerned. But, um what was it like being a part of a, a, an NAI school? Because SCAD has a lot of sports, doesn't it? SCAD has a ton of sports. I think
1: we had I think we had 19 when I, when I got there, and we had 21
0: when I left. Yeah, yeah. I, you can say that, yeah, that's a lot to do, and yeah, you're a one-man shot, but at the same time, you're getting a lot of experience in those places. So do you think that it's – admired or respected that either you're a part of a one-man shop with 19 sports because now you know 19 sports. Do you think that that's a little bit marketable for people?
1: Um, yes, absolutely. The more knowledge you have of different sports, the more marketable you are. Um, the thing that really helped me when I was a SCAD is we really only had four sports that were the quote-unquote team sports. So we only had soccer and lacrosse, that were the really team sports, so huh. we didn't have basketball, baseball, softball, those kinds of sports. So individual sports have a little bit are a little bit easier to cover because you don't have to be there and stat in game as much. So it it, it made it a little bit easier to balance, but it meant on the weekend
0: you were writing four or five, six stories every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you say to somebody? Maybe some tips that you give them when they're covering a new sport, like a lacrosse, like an equestrian? I mean, what was your day one thing? What do you think they needed to be doing?
1: Day one, you need to, day one, you need to build that relationship with the coach. Use your references, because if the coaches are open to working with you, and use them at, if the coaches are open to working with you, then they're going to be willing to help you down the road with understanding what needs to be done. Um, I think with lacrosse, uh, the, after you develop that relationship, the next thing you need to do is print out the stat manual and understand the terminology. Oh. Uh, understand the terminology, which is really important for any sport, so you understand how to cover it, what you're looking for, and what aspects are you going to write so that
0: you actually sound like you have some knowledge of what you're talking about. I know one thing that we did... Um... When I interned at Hanover, it was a new SID, uh, Tyler Jester. Uh, I don't know if he's still mm-hmm. listening to the show. You got a baby now. You're probably not. But um, what we did was, because neither one of us had ever done lacrosse before, statted lacrosse. I, I watched lacrosse. I did play-by-play for it, but I never, like, statted it while I, was, while I was at my first college. And um, what we did was we took our two spotters, our two new spotters, and we uh, popped in... DVD popped in a tape of one of the games last year and what we did was we did like a we called it a ghost game and that way we were able to get all that through. I would also say that kind of during this process you need to be a little bit patient with yourself I would say because you're not going to get it right the first time right? No absolutely not. Actually my very first year studying lacrosse I almost didn't even worry about what cost turnovers was. <laughs> yeah. Because because there was so many stats,
1: so many things that I needed to learn that I don't. I think I think I gave five cost turnovers the entire year during my very first year, and then the next year I realized I'm a lot more comfortable. I need to. I can't miss this stat. So we got from that point forward. I had everything going forward, but it took that year of adjustment. And I actually did it the same way with you, but I sat down with the coach and I, I watched the game just like you did, but I watched it with one of our coaches and he was helping me understand this is a ground ball, this isn't a ground ball, this is
0: a caused turnover, and, and so on and so forth. Was there any sort of friction with either you and the coach or you and a player, uh, maybe with those things like a cause turnover? I've had it more with parents than with coaches or players. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 sometimes parents—not uh, even parents—and I probably shouldn't say this, but we had a, a tennis uh, player who would email me and then like text me and stuff and say like, "Hey, my winning percentage is actually this." And I'm like, "I type in Stat Crew. You either won yeah. or you lost. Like, it, it's not up to me just to randomly make up your percentage." By the way, it's it's a software that does this. So uh well and I
1: I'll say this I coaches, I developed such a great relationship with our coaches that I coached you well, if a player complains to the coach the
0: coach would just tell him hey you know what he's do- he knows what he's doing you guys need to calm down yeah yeah that's fair that's good that and that kind of all ties in with that relationship as you, as you said um what are some things that maybe you could give tips to pe- to people who are uh uh maybe dealing with a difficult parent. And this is something we've never talked about. What, what are some tips to kind of, one, keep your sanity, because I know it can be nerve-wracking, and two, uh, kind of keep the peace a little bit?
1: Well, I think there's, there's it's important to understand what the question they're asking. Um, because if it's an easy fix, if it's a mistake, we are all human, we make mistakes. So, I mean, acknowledge if it's, if it's a one-time thing, acknowledge it than just say, you know, thank you for your input. I talked it over with the coach, but we decided to leave it as is. If it persists though, just remember you have you're under no obligation to talk to the parent as an S I D. It's really important that and and actually we got to a point one time where it was really bad that we actually brought in the HIPAA laws uh, we just could not talk to them anymore. And I put it back on them and said, look, I'll talk to your player. If, you're, if your son or daughter wants to come in and talk to me, I'll, my tour open for them to have an open conversation.
0: But at this point, I'm not talking to you anymore. Perfect, perfect. Keep it short, sweet. And like you said, I love what you said there about you don't – you're not really obligated to talk to them. That I think that that's kind of the, the thing that people need to hear at this point. So – um. Again, more of your background here. You, you got to University of the Cumberlands. Uh, what was the job process like, and uh, how, what was your adjustment from SCAD to Cumberlands?
1: It was a major adjustment from SCAD to Cumberlands. I mean, obviously we're going from, we're staying within the NAIA, but I'm going from a one-man shop to a department that has three full-time assistants, three graduate assistants, going from 19 sports to 31 sports and we were going from you know having four team sports to having every team sport you could imagine Mm -hmm. including including football baseball softball volleyball so that was a big of an adjustment um personally i moved from a city in savannah georgia to a little bit more rural area Mm -hmm. in Williamsburg Kentucky So that was a personal adjustment for me.
0: But when you work with great people and you have great opportunities, you make the most of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So what was it like for you moving from an office to where you had to cover everything to now? You have to diversify the workload a little bit.
1: It's it's interesting. It requires delegation and something that I'm continuing to improve on myself. I have a very great staff, but the one thing that we do is every summer we'll sit down as a staff and say, all right, who's covering what sport? And the reason I don't like keeping the same person on, I like giving staff members opportunity to change because they might need to change from the sport. They might need to want changes to grow. I mean, yeah. if you're covering soccer, if you're covering soccer last year and you want to learn volleyball, then then you should have the opportunity to cover volleyball. So I think it's important as the director to give my staff members an opportunity to grow and develop their skills
0: just like I've had that opportunity to do as well. Perfect. And I know there's some places out there, I mean, I see job postings now to where you're solely kind of stuck with soccer and, uh, you know, baseball and things like that and i think it's important to what you said so what would you say to maybe some seasoned sids that maybe don't really want to change that and maybe haven't changed that i mean what would you say to those types of people that uh have stuck with the same structure for x number of years
1: well i I think for those people you're gonna do what you need to do you're gonna do what you think works best for your department so i it's not my place to tell anyone how to run their department I just think that as you continue to grow and develop, as technology changes, the more open-minded you are, the more opportunities you could see in growth and development,
0: not only of yourself but of your staffer as a whole. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, let's talk a little bit something about your involvement with Cosida a little bit. Uh, I know that you served on the diversity, inclusion, goodness, and wellness things like or uh, was it the CIDA board? I think um, the the Cide of yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so how did you get involved in the first place? I mean, what, what do you enjoy doing it? I mean, obviously you do, but what, what what's special about it makes it uh, fulfilled for you?
1: Well, it started back in my very first CoSida convention, and it started with the CoSida Mentorship Program. My very first mentor in that program was Doug Vance, who is the uh, president of the CoSida Organization and Doug has been very instrumental as a mentor to me of, of opening up my eyes to different opportunities. Um, and so the very first convention I went to, we did the 5K and we did a panel that, that was on goodwill and uh, wellness and goodwill and wellness committee. And I was like, this is something that I really have a passion for with my background in running and track. And something that I enjoy doing and giving back is community service, how can I get involved? So from there, it grew to the diversity committee, which came open two years ago, I believe, with the, when they introduced that committee. And I had a couple of people on the co board reach out to me and say, hey, Tommy, you'd be a really good person for this, with my background of being an SID that has a disability. So it's, it's an opportunity to to share my experiences, but also open up the eyes of other SIDs to what people can accomplish and not limit themselves because of a disability or, or some kind of holdback. So I think that was the big thing with COSIDA. The As I gotten more involved in CoSIDA, it's also important to be involved at my own level with the NAIA SIDA board. Um, I got involved on several committees, including the convention and planning, the convention planning committee, and then last summer I was elected as an at large member, at large representative, to represent the entire executive board this year. So it's been a fun opportunity getting to work with a great group of SIDs and help
0: push the profession forward. You mentioned your and we we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but you mentioned your disability a little bit. How has that kind of played a part or played a role in your upbringing in sport and maybe even in sports information? Um,
1: David, I'm very open about it,
0: so okay. I have no problem talking about it. So um, as far as in
1: sport, it's definitely opened up opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise being with the Paralympic movement. That I've had two great opportunities to compete and travel internationally because through that. As far as in work goes, um, the biggest thing is, is you have to look at a person's ability and not their disability. I think that that is really important. For me, my handwriting is not very good. If you're after any member of my staff, they call it <laughs> the chicken scratch. Oh, yeah. they, can't read, they can't read it, but I've come very from a very early age that... I need to use a computer. I need to do things a certain way to accommodate or compensate for that. But it doesn't mean that I can't do the job and it doesn't mean I can't do it very effectively. And I think that that's the important thing to know is when you look at what I do on a daily basis, it I kind of you don't even think about the disability because of how well I've adjusted and
0: accommodated to get the job right. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, make, that makes total sense here. Um, let's transition a little bit and maybe some fun questions I usually like to ask people. How does that sound? It sounds great. Awesome. Well, the first question I have for you, Tommy, is uh, what's your favorite memory in your professional tenure? I've had a couple really good memories. I've been a part
1: of numerous championships, but I will say team this past month win both the men's and women's swimming conference championship at the same time was really special um for the women's program it was their fifth straight national conference championship for the men's program they had to come back and you and i saw some great performances from people who exceeded expectations throughout the week to win that to help contribute to that conference championship
0: So that's been a very special part for me. What about on the other side of the coin? What's your uh, biggest horror story?
1: Um, I think the biggest horror story for me is just, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I think it's, we, well, I will go back to the, to the golf national championship that we hosted in Savannah, Georgia. Um, There was a lot that went on behind the scenes, but the biggest thing is we had to cancel two days out of the four-day tournament because of rain. It was the first, when it happened, it was the first time in NAIA championship history that we ever had to cancel a round. And then to turn around and do it twice Uh in the same week made made it very challenging. You're dealing with lightning, you're dealing with weather. So that was definitely a challenging experience. Um... But the feedback we got from it from the coaches and the players was very positive in how we handled it. But in the moment of going through it, it's definitely a hundred things running through your mind at once and just trying to think of, man, people are going to
0: really hate the job that we did here. Uh, What's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession?
1: For me, I think the one thing I need to learn more about is video and video streaming. I'm very fortunate where I'm at here, where I have Brendan Hensley, who is, in my opinion, probably the best video guru in the NAIA right now, as one of my assistants. So I let him handle all of that, and he's done a fantastic job. But I need to learn
0: a little bit more and have a better understanding of that myself. We've touched on this uh, kind of a lot, actually, now that I think about it, on this episode here. But what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession?
1: The big, the, like, and I will say this: the biggest advice I can give is network and, and and be patient. Yeah, perfect. I think I think being I think being patient is really important. And I will also say for those who have been in the profession, understanding that finding that work-life balance is really important as well. Um, as some of us do it a little bit better than others, some, and. The difference for work life balance is it's going to mean different things to different people, but whatever work life balance means to you,
0: you have to find it and take the time for yourself. Awesome. Well, we will uh, ask a question about work life balance here in, in just a second, but the first thing I want to say is um, uh, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Attention to
1: detail. I think I think attention I think with any time you're dealing with someone who's dealing with stats and numbers, having that attention to detail really is a key factor in that. But it's also you can't just be all
0: into the numbers, you have to have the people skills mm-hmm. and the relationship skills to balance that out. Awesome. Um like you just touched on it a second ago work life balance what do you do to have fun I know it's crossover season and, and I know that you're in a car right now but uh, what are some things that you maybe do to relax a little bit
1: for me I enjoy playing ultimate frisbee I'm an active person so I grew up around sports so whether it's basketball ultimate frisbee um, going hiking in Kentucky something that I, that I don't get to do a whole lot in Florida uh-huh. <laughs> um, but Getting to the outdoors and enjoying the weather, traveling to see my family. Um, I'm very fortunate. My, I have a great family, but we're spread out throughout the country. My brother works for an NBA team in New Orleans. My older brother works for the San Francisco 49ers. So we don't get we're on different schedules and don't get to see each other a lot, but
0: traveling to see them is always is always something that I enjoy. What's that dynamic kind of like? Because you don't hear about that a whole lot. Uh, traveling or, or about uh, like a fa- your family being all involved in sport, especially pro sport like that. Yeah, yeah um,
1: you know, my brother works in public relations, but he does it at the NFL level. He it's something that he loves to do. My brother works for the NBA, he's in, on more of the scouting side of stuff. But we grew up as a family that loved sport, we always knew that I, we wanted to work in.
0: nice to hear because my brother doesn't like sport at all he he wants to be a police officer so it's great it's great to hear man um well uh next time somebody's in the Williamsburg uh I'll even reach it down to the Tampa area uh what's your restaurant or bar recommendation Awesome. Um, If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe network with you, what would be the best way to do it? Cool. Well, Tommy, we'll uh, let you get back on on the road here. I know that you're. Uh, thanks for taking the time to pull over and talk to us.
1: No problem. You
0: guys really have, have a great day. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, there you have it, and we will have. I don't kill me. Don't don't be mad at me. Uh, Shanna, Shanna Moser from uh, UMBC in Baltimore County. Uh, She will be on the podcast to talk. They'll be sure to leave us a rating and a review, sign up for our newsletter, do all that stuff, and please, please, please indulge and enjoy our uh, new blogs. The Huddlers are debuting recently. So be sure to check them out over on sidcast.fireside.fm. slash articles. Um, leave us a rating and a review. Follow us on social media at Sports Infocast and give Presto Sports a follow and a look as uh, they debut as our very first ever sponsor, which I'm super excited about. And uh, you guys should be too as we grow the show. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.